Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. John is present. And today we're going to be looking at two reviews. We're going to be looking at Welcome To as well as Keyflower. Then we're going to be doing a top five list of games to play when you have a big group of family over for a gathering like Thanksgiving or Christmas. So thanks for joining us for episode number two. to our Thanksgiving episode. If you were here right now, you would see that Dean is dressed up like a giant turkey and he's dancing around behind the microphone. Isn't that right, True Dean? story. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> I love those feathers that are coming. I, I don't know. All right. So <laughs> it is our Thanksgiving episode and I love Thanksgiving and I'm pretty excited about that because I like to get my eat on. Yeah. So before we talk about board games, I'm going to ask you a question, Dean. What one food item, not two or three, I want to know the one food item that you anticipate more than any other food item when it comes to Thanksgiving. Go, sir. All right. So, okay, it used to be turkey, let me say that, because I love turkey, but I'm a vegetarian, and so I don't eat turkey. It's tofu anymore. Now. Yeah. That's what you can't wait. And that does not sound good. So I would say my... The item I look forward to the most, weirdly enough, is probably something cranberry-related. Really? Yeah, I love cranberries. Even the cranberry sauce, like the stuff that comes out of the, the you can. You a giant bowl of cranberry sauce. <laughs> That's all I eat for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Nothing else. I don't have potatoes, dressing, or anything else. You can else. dip your celery in it and yeah. your carrots. <laughs> Rabbit man. That's no, the worst. That's awesome. What about you? What do you like? So, I actually asked my wife this question, and I think probably the thing that I... Here's what I look forward to the very most is the day after Thanksgiving or the evening after I've had my Thanksgiving meal and I have a leftover turkey sandwich and I put a little mustard, a little mayo, and melt some delicious cheese. I don't want too much on it. I just want something simple. I want about between two kind of simple pieces of bread. And I'm gonna dive right into that bad I get boy. it, man. Do you have the uh, Do you have the moist maker like Ross Geller does on Friends? Is that <laughs> no, no, I do not. <laughs> All right, okay, all right. Well, hey, we talk about board games on this on this show. So, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I this <laughs> we were on Food Network. John, uh, you did a you did a poll last week of gateway games, since that's what we talked about in our top five list. So, once you once you share that with us, yeah. So, um, we went ahead on Twitter and Facebook, and we asked the question: um, What were what are your gateway games? Actually, what were would be the right way to say it. What were the games that really got you into the hobby? And so my prediction, and I'm guessing it was probably the Deanster's prediction as well, uh, is that Catan would pretty much just run away with it. And for our with our poll, uh, it absolutely, completely ran away with it. Uh, looks like 64%. I mean, I would say that's a fairly big runaway. 64% of y'all, residents of Meepletown, said it is Catan. That is the That was your gateway game that got you into the hobby. Um, we got 8% from Ticket to Ride and Carcassonne as well. And then several games got under 5%. There's Puerto Rico, uh, Survive, Axis and Allies, Risk, and some stuff like that. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it kind of, in some ways it does surprise me because I, I honestly thought Catan would even be more than 64%. Yeah. But that's still a ton of people. Uh, that's that's a lot of people that, that really got into it because of Catan, which... 
I mean, honestly, if you did a poll of thousands of people, I think you're going to see that very same thing, that most people got into the hobby because of it. So Yeah, what interests me, and I guess you're right in one sense that it didn't run away. The other sense, though, when I think of Catan for us was 64% and second place was 8%. Yeah, that's there true. There was nothing else, yeah. really. It was just kind of a spattering of other games. Yeah. So I thought, gosh, that's pretty serious. Anyway. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for voting. And we will have polls every single week on Twitter and Facebook. So we just going to ask you all to continue to vote because we want this podcast to be as absolutely interactive as possible. Yes, that is exactly right. So let's talk about a game that we've been playing lately. I'll, I'll start this week. A game that I got a play of is Villainous. Villainous. Villainous is designed by, okay, get this, designed by Prospero Hall who is not a person. Prospero Hall is a group of people that like to create board games. And so it's just a, this collaborative effort. And these these designers brought us Bob Ross, Art of Chill, Wizards Always Win, the new Home Alone card game that we're going to be talking about in the next episode. But they just, they make really kind of cool board games. They're not, you know, they're not complex games, but they usually have a, a pretty strong intellectual property that goes along with it. And then it was published by Wonderforge, who does a lot of mass market Disney games, which this is a Disney game, but it's not it's not the normal mass market game that you would think of. But okay, so in Villainous, you're gonna take on the role of a villain. It's two to six player games, so there's six villains. There's Ursula, Jafar, Prince John, Queen of Hearts, and then we played a two player game with Maleficent versus Captain Hook, and that's who I played as. My wife was Maleficent and I was Captain Hook. Well, Wise choice, because Captain Hook is amazing. Yeah, you would think so, but <laughs> it did not pan out <laughs> for me. Yes, uh, it, it was still, you know, he. It, it was fun. But, okay, so in, in Villainous, you take on, uh, it, it's a card game, so you're going to take a villain deck, obviously that matches your villain. Everyone has their own special deck. You have your own villain deck with your you know, your your allies like uh, Smee and, and characters like that. And then you have a fate deck, which is bad. This is a bad for your villain because it has characters like Peter Pan and Wendy and TikTok Croc and, and, you know, characters like that and has different different actions that you take that hurt your villain. But the neat thing is each player has their own endgame condition. So Captain Hook wants to defeat Peter Pan and Maleficent wants to get a bunch of curses out on her board. Hmm. And so that's, that's kind of cool how that plays out. But here's how the gameplay works. So you have your deck of cards. You start off with some cards in your hand, and then you have a player board. The player board has four different spots on it. And all you're doing every turn is just taking a pawn from one of those spots and moving it to another, and then taking the actions. So the actions are like, you know, play cards out on the board. You have to pay a certain cost to get the cards out on the board. Or you might defeat one of the one of the heroes that are out on the board or you might uh, I don't know draw new cards into your hand or something like that but that's it I mean that's that's the whole gameplay you're gonna move a pawn if you've ever played scythe it actually kind of works like that you just move your pawn over to another spot and Did then just say villainous is as good as scythe I do. <laughs> that is not what I said you'll hear that in a minute but it's uh, but surprisingly it actually was it was pretty fun I that's cool I lost it, on the on the website it says it takes 50 minutes to play we knocked a game out and I'm guessing maybe that's six players gotcha but we knocked a game out in probably about 20 minutes and part of that was because I had no idea what she was doing I was only paying attention to myself which is very Captain Hook like I think and 
it really lost me the game. She she won it, and I was like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know that I was even in a position where I was about to lose. Wow. But but it's quick. Did you cry after I, that was? After I you lost? did not cry, but. I was pretty sad that I lost. But it, that being said, we enjoyed it. Good. And my wife, she doesn't like playing villains in games. I, I've got legendary villains or whatever that game is, and she won't play it because she doesn't like to play the bad guys. But in this one, she did. She she enjoyed that. that so part how was her just kind of overall gut, you know, reaction to it? Did she? You think she enjoyed it quite a bit, or just okay? She definitely wants to play it again. Okay, that's I, a good you know, sign. I mean, honestly, time's going to tell on this one. I've heard that with multiple plays that it, it might get kind of samey, might get kind of gotcha. old. But I'm just thinking, you know, you've got six different villains, and they all play differently. So at very least, we're all going to, you know, we're going to try out all the different, all the different villains ones. to um, to see how that plays out. But cool. it's it's fun. I mean, it was, you know, it's not earth-shattering or anything like yeah. that, but it's worth a play. That's So I've been interested in playing this game. And the reason is, um, I've played a couple Prospero Hall games. I've played Wizard Always Wins. I've played How to Rob a Bank. And in both of those games, I feel like they are kind of what you're describing. They're good games. They're fun kind of family games. I don't mind playing. I enjoy playing, actually. But I'm. it's not like something I'm going to say, you got to own this game. Yeah. you got to play it. you got to play it kind of thing. Um, so, but, but that being said, um, as a family game or whatnot, I... I I would look into it. I actually did a rank on Board Game Geek, and it's rated the highest of their games yeah. that they've created. So. I can see that, and it's the, honestly the the theme is what drew me in. We're big Disney fans mm. in my family, and so we we just you know anything like that that's kind of a gamery game that has the Disney theme, we're going to yeah. check out. So it was it was definitely worth it. And the other part is the components are great for a game like this, and the artwork is amazing. I mean, really, it's yeah. it's fantastic art all the way through. And it's got some it's got some kind of funny jokes as well. So like one of the cards is the TikTok croc card, and when you play the dis, the bleh, when you play the TikTok croc card, did say I say that, that right? Five, three times fast. <laughs> I can't croc, say TikTok it one time fast or slow. <laughs> TikTok croc. So when you play that card, you have to discard your hand, which I think is pretty funny. It's like you're you, do you get it? Like discard your hand. Yes. Okay. I, no, I get it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, maybe it just wasn't. Dean funny. was expecting a better reaction, and honestly, that actually was a really good joke. I was, <laughs> I was looking at something on my computer, so it wasn't hitting me quite as hard, Dean. But that does seem like a joke that would be right up my alley. I'll give you a hand. For wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm not sure you did get it. You oh, discard God. your hand, John. That's I'll give a... you a hand for that one. <laughs> All right. Oh, All right what, what have you been playing? All right. So. Um, I decided to give a play to the game that I have heard graving reviews about, and I've also heard not-so-good reviews about, and that is The Mind. Um, I've heard a lot of folks uh, talk about it, saying it's just revolutionary. I've even heard uh, game designers talk about how kind of revolutionary the idea of the game The Mind is. And then I've also heard some folks say it's just, you know, it's, it's okay. So um, in the mind, it's really simple, right? You're basically given a cards and you're going cooperatively um, through levels, right, Dean? Because Dean and I played this together, which was really fun. That's correct, John. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so on level one, everyone gets a card and you're, the cards are numbered one through 100. And without saying any word at all, with only making gestures, but no gestures that would show anyone like I've got a 23 or anything like that. You're supposed to use your 
minds to stare deeply into one another's eyes and play these cards and get them in the right order. So that's almost the entire game. There's also some ninja stars that at any point during the game, if you want to, one person could raise their hand, and if everyone unanimously raises their hands, then you discard the lowest card in your hand. So you kind of beat level one. You also have, like, depending on how many players you start off with, a certain amount of lives. We played three players, so we had two lives to start off with. Um, so if you someone plays a 23 and then someone plays a 21, you lose a life. And so you try to go, it goes all the way up to level 12. We, I would love to tell you that we just are, are killing this game, but no, it was... No, we were not. We, no. we could have started off with 20 lives and we still wouldn't have made it through. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so, it's a Wolfgame Warsh game, and, and he has done you know quite a bit of stuff. Uh, he's done, Illusion actually is a newer one that I'm kind of interested in, but he's done Bricks and uh, oh, what's the name of that game that I'm going to mispronounce and everybody's going to be like... Gonshawn Clever, is that what you're... Gonshawn Clever, absolutely. Um, I knew that I was going to butcher that one and everyone's going to you know, hate me and stop listening to our podcast for my <laughs> terrible <laughs> skills of pronouncing. Anyways, so um, here's, my, here's my thoughts about the game. Um, I thought uh, overall it was kind of just okay. Um, it was cool for like a party type game that you can um, just kind of teach the rules very, very simply. Um, this whole idea that this is some like revolutionary, amazing game, I, it, for me, if you believe that, awesome, really. For me, it wasn't at all. It was, it was cool. Um, my wife hated this game. She hated it. Now, my wife is an introvert, and she also doesn't like to be the reason why people lose games in cooperative games. I took her to an escape house and it was the worst experience of her life. <laughs> like seriously, she hated it. She didn't say anything. She just, cause she doesn't like to be wrong. <laughs> and, it, and so she doesn't like to give, so uh, she'll, she'll probably listen to this, but she caused the death of us multiple times. And I think that put a sour taste in her mouth um, for it. She just was like, I, I hate it is a strong word. She just said, I, I just don't really like that game. Um, so I thought it was decent. I, um, I I don't know if I'll add it to the collection or not. I'm not against it for like quick party game kind of things. I think that's kind of cool. I looked on Amazon. You can't buy the. It's out of stock everywhere right now. You can get on Amazon for thirty bucks. Don't pay thirty. Yeah, bucks for definitely it. don't pay that. Uh, I think it's a ten dollar game. Yeah, right? it's, it's a ten or fifteen dollar game. Uh, maybe I think the retail is fifteen dollars. For fifteen bucks, I might pick it up though. Like, yeah. so I'm not, don't. I'm not just booing all over this game. It's it's a fun game. It's just not a great game to me. Yeah, I. I, I probably liked it better than you, but I don't know. You know, I don't know if the novelty will wear off of that. I, I that's what that was one of my thoughts was that I feel like if I played a few more rounds of it, the only thing that will change is obviously the dynamic of who you're playing with. So depending on who you're playing with, it could be more. Obviously, it matters big time in games like this. So it may be more fun. So again, I I didn't love it or hate it. Yeah, for me, I probably put it on the same level as Hanabi. I like it better than Hanabi. They're not even really the same game at all, but I, I kind of get the same feeling. I, it gets I the same know. feeling um, 100%. Yeah. I, I, I mean, not 100% the same feeling, but it does kind of have the same. When I was thinking of this game, I was literally thinking, I like Hanabi better than this game. because So my mind was comparing the two. Yeah, I got burnt out on Hanabi. I felt like we played it too much, and so... I, I mean, right at this very moment, I would rather play the mine than than Hanabi. Yeah. But 
you know, a year from now, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. But I, one of the things that I saw a, a group playing, uh, it was a, playing it on YouTube, and instead of using the life cards, what they did is if you were the one that made the group uh, lose a life, you had to eat a a jelly bean, but it was like the the every bur- every the flavor ones. birdie bots oh. every flavor beans from Harry Potter. So like they could Being be boozled. good, yes, they could be good, but they could be bad, and you don't know what you're gonna get. And I kind of thought that was cool because you really don't want to be the one that loses at that point. No, I wouldn't want to put one of those disgusting beans in my mouth. No, but it's okay if you can find the game for ten dollars. I think it's worth it. I forgot to mention earlier, Villainous is a, is about thirty five dollars. You can mm. find it at target walmart i think i mean you can find it pretty much anywhere and i don't want to go back into no, that it's fine but i think it's probably worth 35 dollars if you really if you if you really really like disney if you like disney yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah i wouldn't pay sense. more for sure i wouldn't pay more but the artwork is is great if so. i saw the mind in a store for ten dollars i would buy it yeah if i saw it for 15 or 20 yeah we'll see yeah you know yeah I agree. Well, that's what we've been playing lately, so why don't we go ahead and move on to our first review, and that is Welcome To. Welcome To is designed by Benoit Turpin. The art is by Anne Heidseek, published by Deepwater Games, originally by Blue Cocker, in 2018. It's for ages 10 and up, plays 1 to 100 players, in 25 minutes. In Welcome To, players take on the role of an American architect in the 1950s seeking to best accomplish the city's plans by creating the nicest housing estates on the three streets they have been assigned. Each player starts with identical sheets of paper representing these three streets, with empty houses on their estates along with a pencil. Three city plan cards are drawn at random that will allow players to gain bonus points for meeting the criteria throughout the game. Three equal stacks of cards are then formed from the construction deck consisting of cards with house numbers labeled 1 to 15 on one side and an effect symbol on the other side. The players are then ready to begin. At the start of every round, the top three cards are flipped over from the construction decks, revealing three house numbers paired with three effects. Each player will simultaneously pick one of the three pairs, write that number in an empty house on their board, and take the corresponding effect. The players can write a number in any house as long as the numbers on each street are written in ascending order. There are six different effects that will come up during the game, and I'll not go over all of them as it will not make much sense unless you're playing. Just know that the effects will allow you to get more bonus points at the end of the game, add fences to create boundaries in the housing estate, or change the numbers you are writing on the board. If a player is unable to write a number on the board, They must mark off the next building permit refusal spot that will subtract points at the end of the game. Once players have all written the numbers and taken the effects, three more cards will be flipped to reveal new numbers and corresponding effects. This will continue until one of the three conditions is met. One, a player crosses off their third building permit refusal spot. Two, a player completes all three city plan objective cards. Or three, a player has built all of the houses on all three streets. The players then tally up their scores, and whoever has the most points wins. Let's go back and see what we thought of Welcome To. One of the big trends in board games right now is roll-and-write games. And roll-and-writes, 
are games where you roll dice and then you write down the results of whatever those dice are. So if you've ever played Yahtzee before, that's a roll and write game. And Welcome To is one of those games, but it's a little bit different because instead of rolling dice, you're flipping cards. And so you have people that will call it not necessarily roll and writes. It could be considered a roll and write, or it could be a flip and draw or a draw and draw. But the term we're going to be using probably most often is going to be roll and writes. But that is, that is what Welcome To is, a roll and write game. Let's talk about the components and the artwork. John, what do you think of the components and artwork? All right. So, <clears throat> you know, I was really anticipating this game, first of all. Uh, saw it on Kickstarter. Uh, Dean was uh, talking about it and pumping me up for this game. This explosion of Roland Wrights uh, that's taken place, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. Uh, I really was drawn, though, initially by the artwork. And you asked about that, like it's got this like cool '50s kind of look to it. You're, you know, you're what constructing a neighborhood. What, what is the exact, you know, you're building one. Yeah, I think that's that's the idea kinda, that you're yeah. basically you're putting mailbox numbers on the houses yeah. that are already there. <laughs> yeah, but. so you're kind of you're constructing this neighborhood. But I say all that to say it really has this amazing, really '50s kind of vibe, and the artwork just goes wonderfully with it. I like um, the sheets that you're writing on. The box, the cards, uh, all of that stuff. The artwork on it is phenomenal. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it's good artwork as well. It's the tough part though is you can say it's good artwork, but it's not a lot of components. Sure. And so when you say good artwork, you're basically looking at the box. Um, you know, yeah. the, the sheets have good artwork. The cards have have good artwork, but I mean they're. They're not like blow your mind artwork, I think, but the boxes. I think the boxes. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I love. Yeah, I do, and I think the artwork is is solid. I, I think it's really cool, and it did draw me in. Totally drew me into it. I mean, some things I've thought about. It reminded me of like Pleasantville. Remember that movie? Yes. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even better than that, it reminded me of Back to the Future. Whenever yeah. he goes back, and like it definitely has that com- total vibe. Now, when it comes to components, I thought, again, the artwork was great on the sheets that you're writing on. I thought the cards were pretty solid. Yeah. I was pretty happy with the cards. One uh, thing I didn't like is they have these um, cheat sheets uh, for what the icons mean, the iconography means. And the artwork is cool. There's actually, they drew a DeLorean on one yes. of them. It's awesome. But it was on this flimsy piece of paper that I could just tear very easily. Like, I just, I thought why like why didn't you do something that's a little bit thicker um now i will say that it's probably something you would only use the first time because it is a pretty simple game but i just i was disappointed in that now i do know that they um i believe they call them their player aids and i said cheat sheet uh, their player aids I, I, they're redoing them i don't know if that means they're making them higher quality or just changing some things that's written or drawn on. Yeah, I don't know if they've mentioned that on the on the Kickstarter page. I've seen an example of how they're going to change it, and I think it is the design itself is better. But again, the quality, I'm not. Yeah, that's not really what I'm. Sure about. I know the yeah, I saw the design, but I'm. I just don't know why you wouldn't make them just a little better or print it out on some kind of card stock, like something a little better. Yeah, especially in a game like this where the all the components you have a deck of cards. And a score pad. I mean, yeah. that's that's the whole box. They did include mini pencils in there, which I thought was a nice touch. I'll never use them because I laminate the the sheets from the score pad. You and got then mini I use pencils with yours. Yeah, 
Mine did not you know, have many pencils in it. Wait, I bought mine new, but you bought yours used, right? No. So, oh, really? I bought mine new at the same exact uh, place I that mean, you bought yours the same exact day. That's really funny because I remember looking in the rule book. Quality and, control <laughs> issues? Is that what's coming up? The rule I'm book speaking? actually says use pencils not included. And I was like, yeah, they're included. I have like six mini pencils in the box. Was your shrink wrapped? Yeah. Yeah, it was shrink wrapped. It's, right. it's like the Willy Wonka golden ticket of the board games <laughs> oh boy well okay well okay. My, my box is better than yours but wow. you can have mine because i will never use them because i only use markers on laminated sheets deep water must have just realized that you were going to get it <laughs> and because you are the star of meeple town you're going to get some pencils that's all right you can have my pencils i'll bring them next time we come but i would say we both agree on the artwork think the artwork it's is great, great. you probably great. like it better than i do but it's not. I that, really like it. For me, that is not at all a negative. I, I really, like, I really it like it quite a bit as well. Uh, and, the, and then the components are perfectly adequate for what for what the game is. But what about the gameplay? That's what really matters in all this. What do you think about that? Okay. <clears throat> um, so for a roll and write game, let's start there. I really enjoyed the gameplay. Um, I liked the theme. It and the artwork kind of drew me in. Um, I thought that there were some pretty interesting decisions that were being made as you're as you're playing the game. So, um, you know, Dean's already shared what the game, how to actually play the game. But you're trying to decide whether, man, should I put a five here on this house and circle the pool, or should I, you know, increase the multipliers so that I can. If I have a bunch of houses that have two fences around them, score more points at the end or whatever. I think that the game, I, I like it. It's simple enough to understand. Everyone that I've taught, besides one person who had a, a negative, just doesn't like roll and write games. Everyone I've taught um, has, by the end of the game, fully understood how to play. And I, I like that. And even I've played it quite a bit now. I've played several, many rounds. And it's still holding on to uh to interest me because of the decisions that are being made you know through the game so i also like the race that you have to the city planning cards that makes it intriguing because some sometimes rolling rights are just all about me doing my own thing um and sometimes i like games like that but i thought that it did a pretty good job of incorporating like so there are city planning cards where if you you know i guess get the houses fenced in the you know in a set of two or three or one whatever's on the city planning card if you do that before your opponent does it you're going to get extra points Hmm. and if they don't do it throughout the game they won't get any points so you're kind of racing to those cards because if you you might get 11 last night i played i got 11 points for a card that my wife got that card later on but she was only worth six points because i got there faster so i like that yeah, I, I really enjoy the fact that it is it's a fast game. The the simultane, simultaneous gameplay, I tend to like that in games, especially if you want to have a group of six or more. Yeah. It's nice to have a game that you can all play at the same time, so there's no downtime. Yes. You're not waiting around on anyone else to play. Yeah. So I really I really like that. It's it has And you can play one hundred players apparently, yeah. according to the box. Yes. One to one hundred. Yeah, which you know, I was trying to think through that in my mind. I was like, how would you play one hundred? You'd have to have a projector to like show <laughs> yes. the cards that but you're you flipping could. over. Yeah. You could. I guess you totally could. But but yeah, the other thing I like is that the the choices that you make, oftentimes in, in roll and write games, the choices are not super complex. I would say the choices in this in this one are meaningful, and they are more complex than the average roll and write. Yes. So I, I I definitely I think it has that going for it. Yeah. But 
Yeah. So so I I enjoy the gameplay. I I think it's I think it's fun. It's fast. Again, you can play a ton of people if you want to. But yeah, I um you know I think I would have liked maybe a little more interaction. That's just me personally. Um, like again, the city planning cards. I really I really that's probably one of my more favorite parts of the game is trying to race to get those cards. So um, I would like to, as they do expansions and stuff, maybe see some more things that bring some more interaction. <clears throat> or they are going to add some different things, maybe even some like challenges to the city. You know what I mean? Like something could happen bad. Um, something could deconstruct. They are, we'll talk about that here in a second. But I think as I was playing the game, I was thinking that would just that little extra. If you could add just a little more complexity, it would provide even more staying power yeah i would agree i would agree and since we're already kind of there let's let's go ahead and talk we'll talk about the highlights and and some of the lowlights i would say for me the highlights i've already mentioned some of those so i won't go back over those but i think this is an above average roll and write game yes i I think it's it's better than the average roll and write game because of the decisions that you that you make now another highlight which i guess could be considered a low light but i'm going to look at it from a highlight perspective is that they're doing a Kickstarter right now. And with a Kickstarter, you have four new boards. And one of the one of the issues that I have with the game is is the variability, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But but with the four new boards, they changed the rules slightly. And so I, I think that's really cool. I looked at them one of one of the games, it's like this this zombie theme. You have a I'm you looking have, at that right now. It you have a trick-or-treating awesome. theme. There's a, a winter theme and a like a what's the other one? The like a fallout shelter kind of theme going on i think those are going to be really cool once those come out but from the base game there's not a lot of that uh not a lot of that variability so yes yeah no i was gonna say that would that was one of my low lights as well highlights again i I did like the quick pace of play um i last night i think was the first no I've, i've played a couple times with two players and it's really fast because you don't have to wait. I mean, you flip three cards over, you go make your decisions. They're simple enough to make them pretty quick. Very, very fast-paced game. So I, I actually enjoyed that that aspect of it. Um, but I would say exactly with what Dean said. I wish we were uh, disagreeing a little bit more. But yeah. <laughs> but like like if just add a little, just a little bit, a little bit more um, would I think would go a, a really long way. And it looks like they're doing that. Yes, it looks like they're doing that. And so I think that's. I think that's phenomenal. Um, what are you? Are you going to back these? I, I am. And here's the thing: I love when companies, like when they put a game out there, and the the fans of the game kind of put out some things. You know, some hey, we could change this, we could tweak this. Here, here's an issue that we have with the the player board, and an issue that we have with the variability. And then they come back and do a Kickstarter or, you know, put something out there that says, hey, we're listening to the fans of the game yes. and we want to, we want this game to thrive. And so we're going to listen to you and we're going to make some changes. And I love that. So I love the fact that they're changing the the player board that you talked about earlier, that they're changing or they're, they're adding new, that they're adding new sheets that you can play with and, yeah. you know, new kind of game design, new game methods, I guess. So I, I love that. I really, really enjoy when companies do that. Yeah, I do too. And I, I've been wrestling with, I totally bought this game, super excited about it. I really do enjoy it. Um, how much is the are the other pieces to it? Uh, sheets or whatever? I can't remember. Like 30 bucks or something like that. I can't. With, I, a, with a Kickstarter? Yeah, with a Kickstarter. And that's what, and that's been my, <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to debate in my mind, is it 
am I that excited about it or Okay, not? this is this is going to bring us into the low light, okay? For me, all right, the game, the MSRP on this game I think is $25. You get a deck of cards and a scoring pad. Yeah. And that's it. I got pencils, so I got <laughs> I got a little more value in there than you did, I guess, but but yes. There's not there's not a lot to it for it to be a $25 game. Which is fine because it's a fun game. You know, I guess there you have to factor that in in there as well. But when you look on the Kickstarter, okay, so with the Kickstarter, you one of the one of the pledges is the the unlock stretch goals, which are all four of these different city plans. They're on dry erase boards. Some of them come with or I think they might all come with not a whole new deck of cards, but new cards that that you implement into the game. And it's $29. And I'm thinking, you're doing this for $29, yet the base game is $25. And I know there's a lot of factors that I don't think about in this. and, there, and I'm sure there is, yeah. However, just from looking at it from that standpoint, it does not feel like a great value at $25 for what you get in the box. So for me, that's, that's kind of a low light. And... The, the other thing, and I'll go ahead and just kind of run into this, but the other low light that I have is that for me, you mentioned being able to play the game pretty simply and, and quickly. For me, the, the first time we played it, it wasn't a slog, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of different effects. Yeah, I mean, there's only six different effects, but mm-hmm. each effect has, has a lot of different rules that go along with it. And so you Take might... Take a minute to get into Yeah, it. when you play the first game, you, when you flip over the cards and you're looking at the effects, you're going to say, okay, what does that one do again? How does that one score? Where do I mark this on my sheet? I think that's going to be... A, it's a difficult teach for me, I thought it was anyway. Yeah. But again, that's the first game, and then beyond that, it's it's you don't run into that problem. But yeah. what about you, low lights? Um, it's kind of... I've already said... I don't, I don't want to keep saying the same thing but I, I just I would like a little bit more complexity a little bit more many a few more choices I think that the expansions the new thematic um, score pads are going to add that to it I, I think so it makes me interested um, it looks like what for to get the thematic score pad refills it's $29 more to pledge um, I just wrestle with it wrestle with that I, I really like this game it's it's fun uh, and, and thirty bucks isn't like the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I feel like I probably will. That's you know what I mean. I'll probably do it. I, I, I'm really intrigued by the zombie. Yes, that that sounds really cool. Um, so I, I'll probably do it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I gotta leave it at that. Man. I, I think the thing I really like is that with the different themes, I really like seasonal themes in games we're gonna have you know we're talking about a thanksgiving game today we're talking about christmas games next week the fact that you can play this as you know kind of a halloween theme game and then you know play it throughout the christmas season and just add these different themes i think that's pretty cool and the the other value you get that is not just the the repeal the the refill score pads but they're actually they include those dry erase ones in that that's good i'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that's right so so yeah, you'll get the you'll get the dry erase boards with that, which I think is is worth it in and of itself. The dry erase for all of the different pads. Yeah. But all right, well let's go ahead and go into our final rating and final thoughts and our rating on the game. And and what we do here at Meeple Town is a one to six Meeple rating. A one is a game that will never come to the table. You cannot <laughs> convince me to play this game. Ooh. A six is a game that I will probably not turn down, and it's it's going to be up there for a, a top game of, of all time for me. So, John, let's start with you. 
Start with me. Wow. Okay. Just, or we can start with just, me. Whatever you want to do. I don't mind. I'm just <laughs> playing with you. <laughs> so I, I wrestled with this. Um, and here's here's the thought process that I'm having as I'm trying to come up with the rating. Uh, for a roll and write game, I'm gonna. It's one of my favorite roll and write games I've ever played. Um, straight up, maybe my favorite. I really enjoy it. Um, it's it's quick. It's got cool art. Um, I like the choices that you make. With that being said, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some folks that listen to this that just adore roll and write games and are going to be screaming at me saying, "Don't you know downplay roll and write games or anything?" But here's here's my thing. It's it's hard for me to give it a really high rating um, for a lot of these roll and write games because of their simplicity, and I don't know how much staying power a lot of these games are going to have, where I'm going to want to keep coming back to it, keep coming back. Um, with that being said, I'm, I'll just dive right in, and I'll, I wrestled with what to score this. I'm going to give it a four out of six, um, four out of six meeples. I I thought about if there is, I thought about a five maybe just because I think it's my favorite roll and write game, and so that for that reason I almost gave it a five, and maybe I should, but I'm just going to stop waffling back and forth right now and say, I'm going to stick with my four. And when they come up with the expansions, maybe that'll help boost it up to a five. But a four is very solid. Uh, and I really, if you like roll and write games, go buy it. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> to, to a fault, actually. Everything you said is is pretty much exactly the way that I feel about this game. Even, we, the, <laughs> even the rating, which is the worst. I should have so started. We, never, we do not talk about this before we do these because we don't want to influence each other. So yes. with that caveat. Well, ahead. okay. I, I'm also going to give it a four. It's, it's a fun game. I think that I'll probably play this game quite a bit over the next year. And so when we come back next year with Kickstarter in hand... Yeah. I I could see this potentially moving up to a five. But I could too. I, but for me, I'd probably be more surprised just because because it doesn't have enough meat to it yeah. for me. I guess, and that's that's not a fault of the game. The game's fine, and it's a lot of fun. A four is a great rating, I think. Yes, it, it's a game that I I'm going to keep in my collection, and I probably Absolutely. wouldn't turn a, a, a you know, I probably wouldn't turn this game down at all. And I think I'm going to introduce it to my family when we get together at, at Thanksgiving. You know, so it's got mm. a lot going for it. It's just not enough for me to to bump it up to a five. But anyway, that is welcome to. I'm going to give it a four. John also gave it a four. Next up, we're going to be looking at Keyflower. Keyflower is designed by Sebastian Bleasdale and Richard Breeze. The art is by Juliette Breeze, who's the sister of designer Richard Breeze, Joe Breeze, who's Juliette's daughter, and Gemma Tagalares. It's published by Game Salute and R&D Games in 2012. It's for ages 12 and up for two to six players and plays in 90 to 120 minutes. Keyflower is played over four seasons, starting in the spring and ending in the winter. Each player starts with a home tile and eight differently colored meeples drawn at random and placed behind a cardboard player screen shaped like a cottage to keep the meeples hidden. Each season consists of players going back and forth placing meeples next to tiles to bid on them or on the tiles to gain resources or the actions listed on the tile. Once all players have passed, the season will end. Each player will then take all the tiles that they've won through the bidding process and place them in their village. Along with the village tiles, players will also take boat tiles that will give them more meeples. What makes this game unique is how the meeples are placed. 
To start the game, there are three different colored meeples, red, yellow, and blue. To bid on a tile, you might start by placing a red meeple on the side of the hex tile closest to you. Later on, a player would need to place at least two red meeples on the side closest to them in order to outbid you, so the meeple colors must match. There's no limit on the amount of meeples placed beside a tile for bidding. Similarly, if you want to place a meeple on the tile to gain resources, you might place a blue meeple on the tile. Later on, a player would need to place at least two blue meeples on that tile, but unlike the bidding process, there can never be more than six meeples on a tile. You can place meeples on tiles in the center of the table that are currently being bid on, tiles in your village, or tiles in another player's village. That being said, all the meeples on the tile will be awarded to the owner of the tile at the end of the season. Tiles can also be upgraded throughout the game to give a better version of the action space and victory points. This is done by paying the resources indicated on the tiles. There are many more rules to this game, but this is just meant to be a brief overview of how it's played, especially since this is more of a complex game. Now let's get on to the review. Alright, well this is our Thanksgiving episode, so we couldn't have a Thanksgiving episode without talking about a Thanksgiving game, which is why our second review is going to be for Keyflower. Keyflower, let's talk about the art and components. John, what do you think? <laughs> I thought you were going to be like Keyflower. Let's talk about Keyflower. Um, okay, so um, the components, let's talk about those first. Uh, the meeples are awesome. Really thought they were cool. I mean, the wooden meeples. They're uh, they're meeples, though, right? I mean, they're, they're not like special meeples. I guess they're... when I say they're awesome, I, I just mean I like that they're wood and their quality. I guess. Okay. But you're right. They're they're meeples. <laughs> they're no different than any other meeples in Carcassonne. You could have used the same meeples. That's that's exactly that what they is are. That's true. But since uh, we're living in Meeple Town, I really enjoy my meeples. <laughs> apparently. Uh, yes. So, anywho, uh, I thought the tiles quality wise were decent. I I was I didn't love so when you're playing the game you have like a little house that covers up your meeples so no one knows how many meeples you have now there are other games like uh, race a uh, roll for the galaxy that do the same thing and have similar things I thought that the house was kind of it was okay quality let me just say that I, I, it just scares me when I have little kids like Judah was my five year old was sitting in Larissa's lap. And this was uh, Dean's game. And I was like, oh, Lord, please don't let Judah smash his hand down on one of these houses because it would just crush it. Yeah, yeah. They're, but they're it wasn't totally flimsy either, you know. Um, so that was, I guess, a little bit, uh, I don't know, a low light about the uh, about the components. But that's that's pretty minimal. I thought that the art was okay. Yep. I wasn't excited about it. I wasn't not excited. Um, the thing I kind of liked, I think I mentioned to Dean as I was looking closer in the house, that it almost reminded me of like a 90s book that I would have read whenever I was in school. So I kind of liked that. But overall, I thought components, art, okay. I would say, yeah, components, I would say adequate would be the word that I would sure, use. Yeah. The house... You, you're right. It is flimsy, but it's but it's adequate. You know, it's exactly it's what adequate. you need to be able to block your the other players from seeing your meeples. The artwork is exactly what I would expect in a game like this. All the Keyflower games have that same art style, which I think is neat because the designer is Richard Breeze, and it's his sister Juliet and Juliet's daughter, so his niece Joe, 
who did the artwork, which I think is pretty cool. That's really cool. I'll say this. I really like the artwork. Cool. And it's not like, a, a, you know, this artwork that really wows you, but the detail on the tiles I think is really cool. Like you said, the detail in the in the house, all cool. of it just, I, I really like the Key Series artwork style in general because it's it's exactly what I would expect in a game like this. So so it's it's really what I, what I want and what I like. So what about the gameplay? Okay. Well, this is where it gets um, interesting for me because there are a lot of decisions to make um, for Keyflower in Keyflower. So, what the, the way uh, that that you're playing this game is there are tiles that are in this kind of what would you call that, Dean? Like a, a auction bidding neutral kind of zone, and then you're also I don't in, think that's the official name. But that's somewhere. If somewhere you want else. to um, trademark that. Uh, <laughs> just go right ahead i'll just call up the company um but you also are building in your own village and your opponents are building their own village and it's kind of carcassonne style to uh, whenever you do get a tile i'll talk about how to get one in a second but you're actually putting those into your like little village or whatever um but the interesting parts are that you're actually you're bidding on these tiles with meeples but meeples can are not just used to bid on you can also use your meeples to take an action, like uh, get wood or ore or whatever, depending on what tiles you have. So you've got these decisions that you're making. Do I need to bid on that tile because I really want it and I don't want you know my opponent to have it? Or, wow, I really need um, some iron, so oh, I guess I need to take that meeple and, and, and produce that resource right now. Another interesting part of it is you can put your meeples on your opponent's villages. So it's not just, so you can put the meeples on um, in the middle, in the neutral kind of zone, or on your village, or on your opponents to actually get that resource or do that action. So I love that. I love the decisions that are being made. And also, if I were to put one on you know, Dean's, for example, on one of his tiles, in order for him to uh, use that same action, there's different colored meeples. If I put a yellow meeple, he's then got to put two yellow meeples on his tile. So it can be kind of, I wouldn't say take that, but I mean, it can it can be, if I see that he's really excelling in a strategy, one of mine can be, oh, I'm going to put a bunch of meeples on his so it costs him more. Oh yeah, I think it I think it absolutely is take that. It's not yeah. it's not in your face take it's that. It's not in your face, but it can be. But, but there's definitely player inter- interaction in here that you have to think about. I'm going to throw a couple terms out there that we might not, you might not be familiar with, but in the board gaming community, you might hear games called Euro games or mm-hmm. Amerith thrash or ameritrash games so euro games tend to be the dry theme games that are high in strategy and the game mechanics take precedence over the theme typically okay so that's like a euro game ameritrash or ameritrash games which is not a derogatory term those are games that tend to be higher in luck strategy isn't as important as the theme theme is king in ameritrash games this is very much a Euro to the core, yeah. but I don't think it's as dry Euro, okay? I think that the theme, I think the theme really does show through. You're actually building this village. You, 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 the player interaction, which isn't always something that's very strong in Euro games, is, is, it's very prevalent in this. So, so it is a Euro, but it's not like this really dry Euro. But I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy all the decision-making that you're talking about. There are, there are a lot of moving parts in this a game. Lot a lot parts. to think about. But 
it all makes sense. You know, it, it all it all really does make sense what you're doing. Like I would put this guy here because he's going to go do this. It does. I'm going to bid on this tile and and these are the types of tiles that I need because I'm going to try to work towards this end game scoring. You know, so I, I think all of it makes sense even though there's a ton going on in all of that. Yeah. I I'll say that the theme didn't grip me. I think you liked the theme better than I did. Yeah. For sure. Oh, like, yeah. I just it was okay. It's it kind of reminds me of a Euro game. Like it was okay, it was cool. Um, but 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 how dare you? But th- <laughs> I know. But thematically, you are correct in like you're producing resources to build appropriate things. Like it, it's not disconnected at all. It right. does flow really well. So that's definitely a a pro. Though again, being on a ship and settling a new land is was just yeah. It was okay for me personally. Yeah. You know, sometimes games like this where you, there's a lot to do. And you're never going to be able to do all the things that you want to do. You just can't. You know, yeah. you're not going to be able to get all the tiles you want. You're not going to be able to get all the resources that you want. Sometimes that can bother me in a game, but for some reason it doesn't in this game because everybody's going through that same thing. You know, everybody's sure. having to make those decisions. Do I place a worker? Do I place a, a, a meeple down for the auction? Do I try to get first player marker? You know, all these things are going through every player's mind, so it doesn't really matter to no. me. And, and another thing that I like about the game is when you when you get a tile so you bidden on these and you actually get one to put in your village well it has to fit in your village and line up like a carcassonne so like you have roads so what what makes it interesting is um, I learned the hard way that your tile placement is vitally important in this game if you want to move iron from one tile to another there's a there's a particular way you have to go about doing it and an action you have to perform well, if it's way across your village, it will take forever to get, or you may not even be able to get it there. Yeah. So I thought that was really an interesting part of the game. Yeah, and if that wasn't there, then how you place the tiles wouldn't matter at all. You, you have to think about the city planning of this, the, the no, village planning of you this. Do. That so. was one of my, yeah, I, I, I really liked that aspect of it, even whenever it messed me up and I didn't play well because I didn't do it. But I thought that's, a, that's, a good, that's interesting. Yeah, I think when I'm thinking about the highlights of the game, for me, it's a, it's really it's just this smooth, enjoyable gameplay. There are really interesting decisions, and you know I've already talked about that, but but I I really enjoy that you are in control. I think you're in control of everything that you do, and I know one of the things that you might talk about is the the end game yes. scoring, but I think you you do have a lot of control in how you're going to score your points at the end of the game and and you know what you're going to do throughout the game you 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 can really get messed over by somebody that that takes a spot that you really want but i think overall you have a lot of control in that very it, much can get messed up by somebody yeah yeah the other the other highlight that my last highlight is the variability so in the game in a i don't know if you use all the tiles in a six player game i don't think you do Definitely not with the expansions. If you got the expansions, you're going to have lots of tiles to work with. But the game's going to be different every time because you're going to have different tiles that are out there. You know, so you, you might one game not even be able to get any green workers, which can mm-hmm. can kind of be a problem because you want to get green workers that blocks other people from being able to get into the spots that you really want. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy the variability and the the amount of tiles that are that are in the game. So that for me, that's a big highlight. Yeah. Um, for highlights for me, I thought the mechanics were cool. I thought the um, the decisions were really intriguing to make um, because there's just a, there's a lot of them. Do I do something that's going to hurt my opponent? Do I do something that's going to help me? 
do I, I, I there's a lot of decisions and they're really interesting to me I, I really really like that I thought it had a, had a um, it was right in my wheelhouse for complexity level uh, I thought um, it's you know it's not overly heavy I didn't think um, but it did I will say this I've, I've played quite a few games and I do feel like I'm just now starting to understand the strategy which I like that about games I want to be able to have to go sometimes five, six, seven games deep before I'm really figuring out strategy. That's me. For some of y'all, you, that may be too complex. I, I don't know, but I, I like that it keeps me coming back. So, I'll, and another positive thing is, is I've thought about this game a lot after I've played, which I think that's a positive thing. Oh, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of games I'll play and I won't think much about. I thought, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. So those are those are my highlights for the game. Yeah. The yeah. gameplay was just really good. I've got a couple of lowlights. For me, the price. The game, you can find it for around under $55, around $55, I guess. And that's not necessarily really high for a board game, but there aren't a ton of components. Like, okay, there are a lot of meeples, but then it's mostly just tiles, you know, and you do have the, the village spaces. So I do think the price is probably a little bit high. And then the other low light that I have is the rule book. And John, you don't have to worry about this because I taught you the game. But this <laughs> As rule you book, do many games. <laughs> the rule book isn't terrible, I'll say that. But because there's so many rules, that might be why. It's because it's a complex game. It's not like a wall of text. There are examples in here, but, I mean, it's a lot. And the, the font size isn't very big. And so when you look at it, you're like, oh, man, I've got to read this mini novel to actually get to play the game. But... I don't know. It's not super difficult to look up the tiles in the back. They have, you know, this uh, this section in the back where you can look up the tiles pretty quickly, I think. So as long as you know the game, the rule book's not a big deal, but I would say it's probably more in the low light than high light, for sure. So low lights for me, um, I don't know if it's low light, but I overall, again, the theme of the artwork, it was good, but not, not great, but it wouldn't... I don't know. I don't want to say it's a low light. It's just okay. But my my low light, and I'm wrestling with this inside because there may be some folks that have played this game a lot that are going to yell at me and be like, you just don't understand the strategy yet. And I'm okay with you yelling at me and telling me I just don't understand the strategy yet. You don't understand the strategy yet. (laughs) Son of a gun. (laughs) Um, So I feel like it is very, you're playing four seasons. And I feel like it is very heavy weighted towards the end of the game. Where you can be playing, I've played several games of this, where you're scoring, where I may be in the lead, and then when you get to winter, because of the scoring at the end, the way you've played the game, you go from, I'm going to give you a, just a real life example, I'm up on somebody 40 points, victory points to like 16, in one season I lose 40 something to 96 and it was because he had the strategy of getting all these um, irons or whatever they're called on this one tile that gives you two or three points per iron. And so he basically just spent the whole game getting as many iron things as he could and putting a million on there. And I thought, you know, I could have done some things to prevent him from doing that. I should have caught it earlier, but what a boring way to win. But maybe not. So that that's a kind of a low light. Like, I, is it too weighted heavy on that end game? Or do I need to have the end game in mind the whole time I'm playing it and be building up to it? I think that's... That's probably the right. Definitely. I mean, you, you even kind of mentioned it. <laughs> this isn't taking a shot at you, but 
you know, it sounds like you're upset because somebody has a better strategy than you. <laughs> <laughs> Sons of guns. No, I, I don't mind. No, I'll, let me say this. I don't mind. Um, I, I, don't, I don't care about winning games that much. Actually, this actually worked to my advantage in a game when I played against someone who didn't know what they were doing. And I, and I beat him because I knew that towards the end. So, so but I, I didn't love that. Uh, I, I don't know. And, and again, maybe it's just my, my the strategy part. But it just seemed like you can score so many points the last season that it just feels like what I've all been working towards the other seasons might not be as valuable. Yeah, so that that makes sense. And you don't you don't know what the other players have for their winter tiles that they're going to put out there. So yeah. there there is some I wouldn't say it's luck, but I guess maybe a little there bit is some, of luck. Cuz at the beginning that, if you draw winter tiles, I think that that is Yeah, a, that's true. That is a really If you big draw the wrong tiles, but the thing is you you typically want to cater your game to the tiles that you draw in yes. your, in your for your winter scoring, I guess. And if you don't draw great winter tiles, right? That was my that was the other piece to that whole thing was I felt like there was a little bit of luck for because there's a couple winter tiles that are amazing. Yeah, that's true. That's and if true. you drew one of those, I think you're going to have a lot better chance to to win. But yeah. again, I really enjoyed the game. That but that was one thing that I'm I'm saying it's a low light, but also wrestling in my mind with do I just not quite grasp the game yet. that makes sense that makes sense all right well let's go into the final thoughts and ratings so I'll, i'm going to start this one off john because i want to i want to paint a picture for you okay <laughs> imagine imagine that you are in elementary school and your teacher says all right it's story time i want you to grab your mat or get in this really comfy chair bundle up in this blanket you got the the leaves changing outside it's it's cold out there oh my gosh do you know that that comforting feeling that you get when when it's story time, like you just there get is a excited. feeling when there's story time. That is how this game makes <laughs> me feel, and I don't know why that is. I mean, it's not. I can't put my finger on one thing about this game that I'm just like blown away by. But for some reason, I absolutely love this game so much, Sweet. and I have from the the first time I played it. I, I played it years and years ago. I guess it, 2012. I think was the date it came out. So for me, man, I love this game so much, and a lot of it just has to do with the feeling that I get when I play this game. So, that being said, I know that this is the second time I'm doing this in two weeks. This game gets a six for me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I really, I kind of wrestled with this one. It was between a five and a six, but then I was looking at my top games of all time, and I was like, wow, this is... This game is pretty high on my list, and it's hard for me not to give it a six for that yeah. very reason. I love this game so much, and I will play it anytime someone brings it out if I have the time to play it. What do you think? Wow. Well, I don't have an amazing, vivid description <laughs> like you did. Imagine it's raining outside. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's the same one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm not quite as high on it as, as Dean is. Um, and because of the reasons that I said, <clears throat> I really wrestled with what to give this one. Because I will say, out of games I've played lately, it's one I've thought about more than about any other game. I almost feel like I'm going to give this rating and you're going to boo me, but a year from now I might raise it the more I play it. Like, it has that much complexity and, um, and interest to where the more I play it, the more I like it. Hopefully that whole winter thing will be figured out whenever I actually really get the game a whole lot more. Um, so just to kind of cut to the chase, I really wish that we could do half points. If we could do half points, Dean, I'd give it a four and a half. It's actually against the rules, so no. That's all but right. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Which means it's a really good game. 
I, I really wanted to give it a five, but just because of those few things, I just couldn't quite say I'm going to give it a five. Um, again, a year from now, I wouldn't be shocked at all if I come back and say, you know what, that game really is a five. Yeah, and you haven't played with the expansions, which could that's, change that's a that. Good point. I don't know. It, the The expansions add more complexity for sure, but I don't think it adds in enough to change the rating. That's why I didn't really yeah. go into it very much. But I'm really, I will say this: I theme is a big deal to me. Yeah. Some people can say, "Who cares what the theme is? The gameplay is what matters. The mechanics are what matter." Theme is a big deal, and the theme didn't grab me, and that's probably one of the reasons that I took it on down took it to a four if it had an amazing theme it probably would have been a five or a six and you may be saying that's not fair but that's just the reality bro you are literally building a meeple <laughs> village this is meeple town this is the theme is our podcast you're doing the exact same thing oh my gosh but anyway yeah. that's our final thoughts and ratings so i gave it a six love this game john gave it a four also really enjoys the really game. En- i really enjoy it that's yeah. a high if there's a high four i'm giving it a high four yeah. Now, I didn't say this. I will say I will agree with you about the price. I because it's 50 something dollars, <clears throat> I don't know if I would just jump out and buy it. Okay. The more I play it, I might. I don't know. Plus you know somebody who owns it, so that's I do know somebody <laughs> that owns it. That's a good point. And if I didn't, then it might change. So I wanted to kind of throw my couple cents in about that. So But that's our review of Keyflower. Now we're going to go on to our top 5 games that we would bring out to teach our families. All right, Dean, so imagine you just had a delicious Thanksgiving meal, or in your case, a giant bowl of cranberry sauce, and your belly is full, but your heart isn't quite full because you love food, but you now want to play a board game. But now you have a bunch of people in your home, or you're at someone's home, you have friends and you have family, some of them play games and some of them don't play games. But I know what you like to do and I like to do is get people involved in playing games, So our top five today is going to ask the question, what games do you bring out at a holiday? What do you bring out in Thanksgiving? What do you say um, to get everyone or as many people as you possibly can to get involved? So we're going to do a top five list of that. So I'm just going to toss it right over to you, Dean, and say, number five, what is the game that you're going to bring out? All right, my number five game will be one that I don't think you've played it or maybe even heard of, but it's called Timeline. American history. Okay. So, so timeline, American history specifically, there's, there's lots of different themes for timeline, but American history, you'll have a deck of cards and what you're going to do is you'll have cards in your hand and you're going to try to lay these cards out in a timeline. So you don't know what the date is on the card until you play it out there. Hmm. And, and it's really simple the, and if you're really good at history, you're going to destroy people at this because at least you're going to have an idea that, okay, <laughs> you know, the, the Revolutionary War happened before the Civil War. And so you don't have to know the exact date, but you have to place it in a timeline of when the other cards are. It's, it's a really simple game, one that it takes you about one minute to teach. It's 15 minutes to play. You can play up to eight players, which is a big plus. You could probably play more if you really wanted to. And it plays eight and up. You know, you just have to be able to read the cards. So it's co-op? It is not co-op. It's not co-op. You're trying to get rid of the cards from your hand before anyone else does. Because if you put a card down and that's incorrect, then you have to draw a new card. If you put it down Mm. and it's correct... That's then you got rid of a card from your hand. It's oh. it's designed by Frederick Frederick uh, Frederick Henry Asmodee game. It's a really cheap game too, so it's it's uh, it's my number five. We really enjoy it. That sounds interesting. I'd actually like to play that. Like at first when you mentioned, it, I thought uh, history. Like I I do enjoy history, but 
I don't like games where you have to have all this prior knowledge to be really good at them. Right. Um, especially for those situations, because some people will be like, I hate history, this is stupid, I don't really want to play it. So that, But that actually, um, it, it, it kind of intrigues me, it makes me even think of like Wits and Wagers, where you're just writing down numbers. Yeah. And like, so even if you don't really know it, you can still make guesses. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's cool. I'd like to play that. It has like that feel that. for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So my number five is a wildly popular game, and it was actually mentioned earlier in this podcast. And we've already talked about it a little bit. Uh, that's Hanabi. Uh, that's an Antoine Bowser game. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like Hanabi. It's very simple to... Um, to teach people how to play it. You basically have these cards in your hand, but you don't get to see your own cards. Uh, all your, I wouldn't say opponents, actually all your friends get to see the cards that you have in your hands because you're working cooperatively to build a fireworks display. I don't know if it really feels all that thematic, but basically the cards in your hands have numbers one to five and they're a certain color. Uh, I believe there's five different colors. And so what you're doing is when it's your turn, you're allowed to either lay a card down on the table or in the stack um, that, that that are being built, or you can use a little chip and give a clue to someone else. And so when you're doing that, you can either tell them one of two things, uh, what number, a card, or if they have two of the same number in their hand, the, or three of the same number, you can tell them, hey, these two cards are number twos, or you can tell them what color, or again, you have these two cards are green. And so you're working together to put these cards not only in numeric order, but also in the right color order. So you've got five stacks going on. And so um, you're just kind of going around the table and you're, it's pretty interesting decisions. I know this game, there's a lot of people that absolutely love Hanabi. Um, I think it's really solid and really fun. Um, in fact, Board Game Geek here, it's number 58 in Family Games, so 289 overall. Wow. I think it's a great game. That's high. I mean, it's a great game for family. When I came up with this list, I was, I don't love all the games I'm going to say here, but I think it's good to get people involved. Yeah, yeah. I I like Hanabi. It is not 58 out of all the games of <laughs> all time. Games. Oh, Family Games. Family I'm sorry, games. sorry. It was 289 um, over. That's still pretty high. Yeah, that is that is high. I, I, would, I would not rank it that high. But my number four is probably my personal favorite of all the games on my list, and that's Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, yeah, I haven't played that in a long time. It is a really fun game. Fun game. So this plays three to five players by uh, Sergio Halibon, and it's designed by Arcane Wonders. This is a, a Dice Tower Essential game. In Sheriff of Nottingham, what you're doing is you're, you are eventually going to take the place, uh, take on the role of the sheriff. Everyone's going to take on the role of the sheriff. And the sheriff is trying to prevent people from putting, to bringing contraband into their city. Contraband is just cards and the goods are just cards. But what you're going to do is you're going to try to sneak cards past the sheriff. So on everyone's turn, they're going to have this little bag and they're going to put cards in the bag and then they're going to hand it over to the sheriff and say, I'm bringing four chickens into into Nottingham. And the sheriff have to, has to decide whether or not they're lying. And so if they're lying and they get it through without the sheriff checking, they get to keep those, and they're going to get points for that at the end of the game. Uh, if they're telling the truth, you know, obviously same thing. But if the sheriff opens up the bag and they find contraband in there, well, then you're going to have to pay a penalty on those goods that you try to sneak into that you try to sneak into the city. I absolutely love, love this game so That's... much. And it's one that when I brought it out to my family, they really, really enjoy it. And we, my family, we get together and we laugh a lot anyway, but oh my goodness, we wow, laugh so wow. hard when we play this game. You know, I've never played it with my family. 
Oh, yeah. Which, that's a mistake, I think. Yeah, yeah. If you have a family that enjoys lying, this is the game well, for them. Well, mine but, doesn't. Okay. Actually. I mean, like, I know my, my, my wife in particular doesn't like deception games. Yeah, yeah. So this game is not, not for everybody, for sure. She might not love it. It's right up my family's alley, but that's my number four. Cool, good stuff. So, my number four is a game that, actually, I forgot to mention with Hanabi, by the way, it won the 2013 Spill de Jars. Oh, wow. That's pretty, okay. I didn't realize it had won that, but that's pretty awesome, I guess. I don't know if I would say... I would have voted for it to win it, but that's pretty powerful. Powerful, I guess. So my number four is a game that has become really, really popular. You can go buy it at Target. You can just go buy it anywhere. The first few times I played it, I really enjoyed it. It's a Phil Walker Harding game, which he does a lot of good stuff. But um, now I'm, I'm just kind of meh on it. But the reason I'm going to put it on this list is because every time I brought it out with a group of folks that hasn't played it before, particularly the folks that don't play a lot of games... It has gone over probably maybe better than any other game on this list, and that's Sushi Go Party. Uh, the first two times I literally played this with groups, they bought it. Like, one guy bought it right there at the table, went on Amazon and said, I'm buying this game. Another person bought it the very next day, and we're talking about it. So, in Sushi Go Party, it's a card drafting game, and you're just trying kind of set collection. You're trying to get... Um, Sets of, of uh, gosh, I can't even think off the top of my head, Dean, but sets different of types of sushi, yeah. yeah. And they'll give you points at the end of the game. And it's cool, you got this little sake uh, thing that's going around, collect, like not collecting your points, but tracking your points and stuff. So it's a pretty fun game. It's a fantastic game to, to get people into card drafting. and um, But overall, it's just okay for me personally, but it's gone over wildly well whenever I've done it with other folks. How many so, players can you play that with? Ugh, I think five or six. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good number. Yeah, so go ahead and give us your number three. My number three is a game by Stefan Bendorf, and this is published by Game Right Games. It plays two to five player games, and it's a game that you can get pretty much anywhere. It's called Quix, and oh. Quix is a roll and write game that we, we talked about earlier. If I'm going to introduce a game to my family, this is it above Welcome To. If they know games, Welcome To would be a fun, fine game to play. But Quix is it's a quick and really easy to teach game. I would recommend, side note, if you're going to buy this game, get the Quix Deluxe because it comes with the markers and the dry erase boards instead of you know just the regular you would have told me that pencil and paper. It. Yeah, well, thanks. you should do Gee, that. Thanks, buddy. You should do that. <laughs> but in Quix, all you're going to do is roll dice that have numbers. They have four different colors, and then you have a white dice. You're going to roll them, and then you're going to put numbers in sequential order on on the board so some lines it's ascending some lines it's descending and you really that's it you're just trying to be the first one to well you're trying to get the most points the first one that completes two of the rows meaning that you once you get five numbers in a row and then you get the very last either two or 12 in that row then if you get two of those that's going to signal the end of the game and whoever has the most points really simple game one that i've introduced to my extended family and they love it. They it's love it. and you can play a decent amount of players. It's it's fun. That's one that um, I've played and for sure I have the game. I haven't introduced it a whole lot to new folks yet because I just think it's uh, I think it's okay personally. If I want to get a quick game in, I'll play it. Hey oh, but uh, no, it's it's cool though. I, I was actually thinking about introducing that one this Thanksgiving. So there you go. Great. Alright, my number three is a game where there is a little bit of deception which makes it a hoot. It's called Saboteur by Frederick Moyerson. Uh, in Saboteur, <clears throat> what you're doing is you are actually building um, your dwarves and, and you're trying to connect these uh, mine 
paths to a gold. But there's three gold cards, and you don't know which one is actually gold and which one is just a, a stone or a rock or whatever. And so when you start the game off, everyone gets these cards, and so some people are going to be um, the dwarfs, the miners. Other people are going to be the saboteurs, and you don't know who the saboteurs are. So you'll figure it out as the game progresses because you'll be placing paths to get closer to one of the potential gold cards, and then someone will do something ridiculous and turn the path back around or whatever. And so, and people will, you know, you have a lot of interesting decisions if you're the saboteur because you're like, how long do I, do I uh, hide who I am? Because if the deck runs out, and you don't, they don't connect the path, and the saboteurs win. Well, I have had so many laughs with this game, and I think it's a fun, I really think it's a fun game. What I really enjoy about it is there are people in my family that will not play Resistance, will not play Coup, will not play um, games of Deception. They just don't really like it. They don't like, they don't feel like they can lie very well. Um, with Saboteur, it's, it, you don't have to feel like you just got to be all super into lying and be greatly deceptive to do that. So, um, because you can just kind of turn your paths wherever you want. Anyway, it's a really fun game. Uh, I enjoy it and it's gone over really well. So. I've not played that yet, so I can't really judge that. That's yeah, a cool. good I'll check it out. My number two is a game with a long name. It's called Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, a <laughs> gemstone mining game. This is a re implementation of a game called Quartz that re- released a few years ago. I mentioned earlier in the episode that my family loves Disney, and so this was an insta-buy whenever it came out. But now that I've played it multiple times, I know that my family is going to absolutely love this game. For one, it plays up to seven players, which is great. It's got a pretty quick playtime, 45 minutes to an hour. It says ages eight and up, but little kids can get involved because, let me tell you why. In the game, you are going to be taking one of three actions. You're either going to be going into the mine, grabbing grabbing a gem out of the bag, and then putting it on your board. If it's a good gem, then you keep it. If it's a bad gem, you still keep it, and that puts you closer to getting injured and getting kicked out of the mine. And... So that's the first action you can do. Second one is to play a card that will allow you to kind of change the rules of the game, maybe mess people over, steal gems from them, that sort of thing. And the last thing is to come out of the mine. You want to come out of the mine if you know that you're about to be injured by the those black gems that you draw from the bag. At the end of the day, this plays over a course of five days, at the end of the day, you're going to sell those gems. And sometimes Snow White might say, I want a topaz and a and an emerald, and if you do that and you're the first one to come out of the mine, you're going to get some bonus points. Then you'll sell the gems from your mining cart, and I won't go into the scoring and how that works, but essentially each gem is is worth a certain amount of points, or pie points in particular is what it's called, worth a certain amount of pie points, and then you then you'll start a new day. You know, once you sell the gems that you want to sell, you're, you're allowed to keep up to two gems, Really simple gameplay. Again, you can teach it really quickly, and the theme is going to really, really grab my family. They're going to absolutely love this game. So I'm excited to introduce them to this next week. That's really cool. I My second one is a game that may be my personal favorite on this list. It is Biblios. Now, Biblios is a little more complex than some of the other games, or it's definitely a little bit more than the, than the games that I've mentioned before. However, I have brought it out in new settings, and I haven't had any problem with people understanding how to play the game. So basically, you have a, 
a few dice, like five dice, I believe, in the middle of the table. They have numbers on them. You are monks, and you're actually collecting, what, tomes or scrolls or whatever. And it's really a simple game. It's kind of a, a set collection game where you're you're picking um, and trying to have the most blue scrolls. So at the end of the game, you get the blue dice. But it's interesting. You got a lot of interesting decisions because um, whenever it's your turn to, at the beginning, the car, uh, draft your cards, you actually look at the first top card in the deck, and you have to decide, do I want to keep that, or do I want to put it in the common space, or do I want to put it up for auction later? So it's definitely a push-your-luck game. And so you're saying, oh, okay, cool. Uh, maybe I should keep that. Maybe I shouldn't. And then after you've kind of gone and everyone has their hand, then there's a second phase of the game where you're bidding on cards, which I love. Auctions are fun for me. And so everyone's bidding on these cards going, oh, I really want this, so I'm going to give like three gold for that or whatever. So it's um, it's a really fun game. It's a great filler game. If you've never played Biblios and you want a new filler game, it's it's great. It's 20 bucks. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, I totally agree. One, another one that I had considered was For Sale, which kind of plays yeah. a little bit similar yeah. to Biblios, but but I've had success with both of those games. All right, my number one game is the number 50th ranked overall on Board Game Geek and the Ooh. number one party game on Board Game Geek. And that oh, is, it's not building yourself up. It's Yeah, man, it's, it is. According to everybody, this is the oh, number yeah, one right? on this list. <laughs> but it is a game by Vladish Vadal, and it's published by Czech Games Edition, CGE Games, and that is Codenames. I knew it. Codenames knew it. is a big hit with my family and large groups of friends that I've played with. But basically what you're doing is you're splitting up in teams, which is fun because I love team games. But each team is trying to give clues, or you have one person that's giving clues to the rest of their team, and they can say one word and a number. And that is, the number is going to, or the the word is going to describe the words that are on the card. So basically you have a, a, a grid of cards, depending on which game you're playing, it could be like a four by five or a five by five grid of cards that will have words or pictures you know, some of them have different, some of the games have different themes like Marvel Universe or Disney Universe. But you're going to give a word that's going to describe cards out on the board. And you're trying to be the first one, the first team to to cover up all of your words. The problem is, one, there's an assassin out there. So you might <laughs> give the wrong clue about a word and that triggers them to guess that that's the assassin, and so you lose immediately. Yeah, be really careful. Exactly. The other pro- the problem is you might give a clue that gives a hint to the other team's card. So then you put their color on that card, and they're one step closer to being able to win the game. This has been a big hit with everyone that I've introduced it to. I really enjoy code names. I would say that the main code names, just the regular words, is probably my favorite. Outside yeah. of Duet, Duet's a two-player Duet, version like of that. That's like my Duet. favorite. But yeah. when you're looking at a large family gathering, I would say the the regular code names, original edition, is it's it's a big hit. You will mm. you will not be disappointed in this game. Oh, so that was like the if I could have had six, that would have been on there. And you did such a good job. I, I'd almost want to take Hanabi off and just replace it by code names <laughs> or one of the other ones. I sold you. Yeah, yes. you sold me. That was a really good job. Okay, so my number one is a game that <clears throat> the first time I was introduced to it, um, it was around a group of guys that hadn't played a whole lot of board games. We all just jumped right in and had an absolute blast. It's a game that I know Dean loves, and that is Survive. Yes, Escape from Atlantis. Love this game. So in Survive, you know you're 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 in Atlantis and you have these tiles and you have all your little meeples on it and it's falling apart and so you've got to get your meeples with point values on the bottom onto boats and get them 
off Atlantis onto a safe island, but oh no, there's sharks and whales and different things that are in the in the ocean, and it's a very much a take that game. Uh, you you get to the other players are actually moving them around and just taking down your ship or whatever. It's really simple, very simple I think to teach, and people have a good time. The only caveat with to say in that is people that don't like like a take that style game. I one of the guys I played this with one group of guys and I took down his most valuable ship. He made a huge mistake of putting all his most valuable meeples on it. I took it down and he's going to listen to this podcast and I and I love this guy and he needs to um to 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 not do this to other people and you know who I'm talking to I'm just I'm just playing but anyway I took down a ship the entire game all he did was try to sabotage me yes and I lost yeah that happens in this game yeah pretty much every time I play it but I I love this game this is a game that I bring out this is another one that I really considered putting on my list but I, I I just want a different direction on it. But I love, love, love this game. And everyone I've introduced to it really enjoys it too. As long as they're okay with take that games. If yeah. you don't like to be uh, if you don't like to be in those like high confrontational board game type situations, you probably will not like this game. But it's most people really enjoy it, it seems like. All right, so we love to hear from the residents and friends of Meepletown. So on Twitter, we asked the question, what games do you all bring out at Thanksgiving or holidays? And so here's a, here's a few of the folks um, that posted on Twitter and Facebook. Um, at Tarkid, T-A-R-R-K-I-D, if you want to go follow him, he threw out Decrypto. He threw out uh, Meeple Circus, um, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong, The Mind, which we talked about earlier, Flip Ships. So that was that's really cool. Um, R. Fournier, Fournier, how you how do you think he's that's Fournier? Fournier. eighty five threw out Forbidden Island and Potion Explosion. I'm a big fan of Forbidden Island. I, I thought about putting that on the list actually as well. So these are all both of these guys threw out some really good um, choices uh, at Brian. Ryan Cook uh, said bang, which is really cool. Our friend Lauren said quick, so she agreed with yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Um, and then my my buddy Jared, who was the actually the one who I was talking about when it came to survive, threw out Love Letter and Exploding Kittens. I oh, really yeah. enjoy Love Letter. I not so much enjoy Exploding Kittens. So anyways, that was some folks. Uh, keep keep um, posting on Twitter because we would just love to have this interaction. Well, that's going to do it for episode number two. Don't forget, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can get in touch with us at the Board Game Geek Guild, Meepletown, and that's guild number 3407. Or if you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter, that's at Meepletown Games. We'll be back in a couple weeks, and until then, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Meepletown.